Hey, good morning, church. It is great to have you with us wherever you are. And uh, wherever you are may change a little bit, at least uh, for those who are local. Next Sunday is we're opening up this courtyard worship opportunity. I am really excited to have some of you come and join us. Um, I'm going to be right here in the sanctuary, but you're going to be right there in the courtyard. In fact, right now, kind of the doors of the sanctuary are open, and I am looking right out at the courtyard yard in this very moment. And uh, next week, I'm excited uh, to be waving at some of you. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a really special opportunity. So uh, thank you. And thank you, of course, as Dana just mentioned. Uh, Dana serves on our church council and uh, is, in, is involved with helping with the kind of the, the financial oversight for our congregation. And as he was just reminding us, thank you also just for being generous. You are a generous people. We are a generous church, and I am so grateful for that. So I want to ask you a question as we go into this, kind of this final part of this little three-part mini-series on being a ministering community as the church. I just want to ask you this question. What would it look like if the church was not a ministering community? You know, like what if everybody just showed up and, and rather than like be there to minister and to receive ministry, everyone was just there for themselves. Like they're just there to just suck the life out of other people and to take and take some more and take even more. What would that look like? Well, unfortunately, that is exactly the picture that so many in the world have of the church today. That we're just a bunch of takers and we don't really know how to be givers. Church, it is up to us to reverse that and to really show the world around us a different vision of what it means to be the church because God has called us to be a ministering community. Now, last week, we talked about the importance of being ready to receive ministry. It's so important that we prepare our hearts and that we recognize that God is present with us and that he's ready to gift us with what we need in each and every moment. And so it's important for us to, to be people who are ready to receive. In fact, uh, just yesterday, Kelly was uh, ministering to a friend and, uh, you know, was, uh, was just texting and, and praying for her and it was not really well received at all. And, and I was reflecting with Kelly, you know, because Kelly was just pouring out the Spirit of God to a, to a friend, but the friend was not receiving it. And I just said, Kelly, listen, this is not on you. Your friend is simply not ready to receive. So wherever you are this morning, I, I pray that you are ready to receive something from the Lord right now. Just prepare your heart and say, God, I want to just be fully present in this moment. And that's what we talked about last week. If you missed it, you can go back on YouTube and you can watch last week's message. I think uh, you will find it life-giving to you. But listen, we're not only meant to be receivers of ministry. As part of God's church, we're meant to be givers of ministry. Now, as we go into this topic, I want to just tell you, it's so important for each of us to realize that God, like, intended us to be ministering people. Like, God created us 
with a special ministry assignment right in, the, in his heart as, as we were designed and created by him. Some unique, distinctive way that ministry will flow as a gift from your life to the world around you. I believe, and what scripture says, is that, that God has created each of us with this particular grace on our lives. Something that is distinct and unique, that's different about you and me than anybody else in the world. And this grace that God has given us shows up in the, I think, in our personalities, our gifts, our abilities, our, our passions that he has instilled with us, and even in the particular settings in which we find ourselves, whether we're here in Santa Maria, living in 2020, or, or if you're somewhere very distant, that there's something about all of that uniqueness that has shaped you and I very uniquely and particularly for ministry. God has made us with a mission in mind. You have a unique God-shaped purpose to do good and to bring the light and love of Jesus to the world around you. You are designed to be a ministry giver. This is the way that the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, right? To be a ministry giver, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were created with a particular ministry in mind, in the heart of God. And Jesus said, if you read this in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said that we're to let these good works that we were created to do to shine out for all to see, right? It's like you don't, put a, you, don't, you don't put something over a light and cover it up. He said, no, 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 no. Those good works are meant to shine out for all the world to see. So today we're discovering what it looks like to truly shine for Jesus by giving ministry freely away to others in ways that I believe truly make a difference. So in these three weeks, we've been looking at one particular chapter. It's Acts chapter 10, where there's this discussion that is happening between two men. Cornelius, who, as you would remember, uh, is a Roman soldier, and Peter, who's a follower of Jesus that, that God had raised up to be a leader in the very, very first church that ever was. You may remember from last week, that where we kind of left their conversation is that Cornelius had just told Peter, like, I am so ready to receive. Just, just bring it, man. I am ready. I am fully ready to receive. And what we see then in the next part of the conversation is that Peter just breaks down who Jesus is. I mean, he talks about his life. He talks about his death. And he says this such a beautiful, important truth. He says this. He says that everyone who believes in Jesus will have their sins forgiven. I mean, Peter just pours out. Cornelius is like, I'm ready to receive. And so what does Peter do? He just gives beautifully in ministry. In other words, what Peter is doing here is sharing the gospel 
with Cornelius. What is the gospel? The word gospel literally means good news. Peter is giving Cornelius good news. And not just like kind of good news. This was the best news that Cornelius could have ever heard in his lifetime. It's just amazing. Man, there is salvation available through Jesus to you. This is salvation, Cornelius, that you cannot earn, right? It is just a gift from God that you receive just by believing in Jesus. And in the middle of this beautiful declaration of the gospel, Peter makes a single statement that we're going to be looking at over the next minutes. I believe it's a statement that's going to help us discover how we can most effectively be givers of ministry. And here it is. It's found in Acts 10. It's verse 36. And this is what Peter says. This is the message of good news. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Let's read it again. This is the message of good news. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So simply and powerfully, Peter right here breaks down the gospel in this one statement for Cornelius and for us. So let's look at each of these three ideas that he drops into this statement. Because I believe that each one describes an important part of what it means to be God's church who gives in ministry. Number one, Peter says, there is peace with God. There is peace with God. Friends, this is the goal of ministry, to establish God's peace wherever it has been absent, wherever it's been broken, wherever there is conflict happening, no matter the nature of the conflict, the goal of ministry is to bring the peace of God right into that situation. But I want you to remember, Peter here is talking to Cornelius, who is a Roman soldier. More than just being a soldier, it says that he was a captain in the Roman army. So this is a man, Cornelius, who literally had been trained in conflict. He understood what it meant to be in the middle of conflict and in the middle of trouble, in the middle of battle. And what does Peter say to him? The first thing about the good news of Jesus, the gospel. He says, it's about peace. It's about bringing God's peace. Now, listen, I don't think that was just good news for Cornelius. That is good news for you and for me. Because if there's ever been a year in our lifetimes when we needed the peace of God to be our good news, it's right now in 2020 in which you and I are living. We need peace. We need peace in our bodies where so many are fighting a virus that they cannot see. We need physical peace. We need peace like in our physical earth as well. 
as there's fires that have been raging and hurricanes that have been smashing cities and whole regions. We need God's peace. We need God's peace in our personal relationships like never before, where, where we've been strained both by physical confinement and many through financial uh, concerns and difficulties. We need peace like never before in our national politics where groups are, are just fighting against each other really in some very terrible ways. Both the, the left and the right just battling it out over the upcoming election. We need God's peace. And in people groups who are in great conflict over the issues of race and inequality, we need God's peace. And this is what Peter says. It is the goal of the gospel. It is the absolute center of what it means to understand the good news of Jesus is that he came to bring peace. Isn't that amazing? God's peace is central to the gospel. There is no good news without peace. We've got to understand this if we're going to be givers of God's ministry. Now, God's peace is spoken of hundreds of times in Scripture. You can Google it. And when we, see, uh, when, we see, when we see what's written in Scripture, what we discover is that wherever God is, there is peace. But whenever God is absent from any kind of a situation, what we find is that there's conflict, there's chaos, there's destruction, and there's death in God's absence. Now, it was Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet, who prophesied that the Messiah would come as the Prince of Peace. And it was Jesus who later said this. So here's the Prince of Peace speaking to us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, who says, God blesses those who do what? Who work for peace. For they will be called the children of God. In other words, Jesus is saying to us, this is what my people do. They work for peace. Wherever they go, whatever situation they find themselves in, this is what my people do. He's saying this is your ministry. This is what you will be giving to the world around you. And I call you blessed. In other words, I'm going to reward everything that you do in my name to bring about my peace. Moving people out of chaos and conflict and into life with me, Jesus says. But listen, I think a lot of us, when we think of that word peace, kind of, I think we get the wrong impression. We, we think of this kind of like warm little hug, you know, maybe a pat on the head, you know, it's going to be okay. That is not what peace is. In fact, I love what the Apostle Paul writes to the Roman church, the, the church in Rome. Uh, you can read it right here in Romans 16, 20, where, where Paul says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 
The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. It's like, what? I mean, it takes a second to even get your mind wrapped around that. How could the God of peace crush anything? I mean, like crush an ant, right? It's like, how would that even work? Here's the truth. And here's why Paul could say that. Because God's peace is a powerful peace. Now listen, when we tend to think of peace, I think a lot of times we think of it in the terms of subtraction. Okay, let's do a little bit of math here. When, oftentimes when we think about peace, we think of peace in terms of subtraction. You know, like when countries have been at war and then the bullets stop flying, we think of that as peace, right? War, okay, war is going on, but then we minus, we subtract the bullets and that should equal peace. But I'm here to tell you, that is not God's peace just because the bullets have stopped flying. That's a ceasefire, but that is not God's peace. God's peace is not about the subtraction of things, even troubles and conflict and difficulty, as much as it is about the addition of God's presence right into the middle of a situation. When God shows up into any situation, everything changes because the Prince of Peace has now entered the story. I want you to think for a moment about the story that probably a lot of you are familiar with. It's the story of David and Goliath. In that story, two countries were literally at war because it was the Philistines who had come and attacked God's people, the Israelites. And of course, you'll remember that it was their giant, this Philistine giant named Goliath, who was taunting God's people. Now listen, if you, if you know that story, very likely you're, you're already kind of running ahead of me here, uh, saying, uh, you know, wait a second, Pastor Tim, I remember this story, and isn't it about subtraction? I mean, isn't it about that God, like, subtracts Goliath and the Philistines from, from the story? And uh, listen, we're going to get there, but here's what I want you to think about, and not race ahead of me in this story, because yes, eventually God does do some subtraction here at the end of the story, but if that's the only place your mind goes, you're going to miss the point of peace. Be, but, uh, because before any subtraction took place, before any uh, subtraction came with Goliath or the Philistines, this is what happened. Peace had already shown up on the battlefield. And, it, and God's peace showed up in the form of this scrappy young teenager named David. This rock-flinging teenager brought the presence of God right into the battlefield because God was with David. Because David had grown to be a young man who understood that he lived in the presence of God. That he lived in the reality that he was always with the Lord. He was a worshiper. He understood the presence of God. And it says that when Goliath came out and taunted God's people, that the entire
entire Israelite army fled in fear. You can read it in, in 1 Samuel 17. The whole army. I mean, can you imagine this? I mean, thousands of men in, in you know, battle gear. This one giant comes out and they all run away. Except for David. Because when David heard these taunts, these taunts that were really against God himself, David had something else rise up within him. And instead of running away, David ran to the battle. What made the difference? What made the difference in David's life? I think what, what made the difference becomes very clear in what David says to Goliath right as he is engaging Goliath in battle. You can read it in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. And this is what David says to Goliath. He says, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. In other words, you're coming to me with a whole bunch of trouble. But I come to you in the name of the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Listen, when he declares that he comes in the name of the Lord, what he's saying is that God is with me. The presence of God is right here on this battlefield, Goliath. Do not make any mistakes. See, David was at peace because of God's presence in his life. And God's presence didn't somehow vanish just because David was facing trouble and great conflict. David established the reality that God is here and God is in charge of this situation. In fact, the last thing that David yells before flinging that deadly stone at Goliath's head, this is what David yells. He says, this is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. God is here and God is in charge. That's what peace feels like, friends. No matter what it is that you are going through, that is what peace feels like. God is here and he is in charge. He is in control. Not this turmoil over here, not this trouble over here. God is here and he is in control. So peace is not just some ceasefire. It's the life-changing reality that God's presence has the ability to crush the very things that have been working to destroy me. So what's the goal of ministry? Well, it's not subtraction. Trying to remove all the troubles that people are facing in life. But it's the addition of the presence of God right into the middle of troubling situations. That's the goal of ministry. It's peace. I believe this should be very good news for all of us who want to be givers of ministry. Because you and I don't have the power within ourselves to actually do any subtraction. I can't make the trouble in your life go away. 
but here's what I can do. I can remind you and encourage you that God is with you, that God is present in the middle of your situation. No matter how dire it looks, no matter how difficult life appears right now, God is with you. That's what I have the power to do. And guess what? You have the power to do that also. Let me give you just a couple of examples. Right now, in this very difficult and challenging political season that we're in, when the last word that would come to your mind is peaceful. And you know what? I I see things online especially that just grieve my heart as people are just attacking others. How How do we engage with that? with the peace of God. By, by not engaging in the conflict and, and throwing barbed comments and, and, and really tearing down other individuals, but what about if we approach it like this? Hey guys, hey everyone, God's here. God is present in this moment. And because God is here, there can be peace. Now, I don't know what that would look like. I don't know what kind of social media posts uh, that we could come up with that remind people of that. But listen, our life becomes different. We become that David who, be, who goes right into the battlefield to wage peace, to bring peace into those situations. I'm reminded of something else. Right now, we have a, a, a number of people from our church that are going out every Friday night to do street ministry here in Santa Maria. Now, I don't know what you think about like people holding up, you know, these cardboard signs that says Jesus loves you and and it just reminds people of of, of God's presence. I think it's incredible because you know what, as our people go out onto the streets, you know what they're doing? They are establishing the presence of God in our city. They are reminding people that no matter what challenges you're facing, what difficulties are out there, hey, remember God is here, and God's in charge. He's in control. And because of that, doesn't make every problem go away. Doesn't mean that every problem will be subtracted. But here's the reality. You can be at peace. The prince of peace has come. And we get to remind people of that every time we, we go and give in ministry. And as you're finding out, hey, in September and October, you are invited to go onto the streets with this group and, and bring the presence of God right into the streets of our city. Now, won't God sometimes do sub- subtraction, like actually remove problems and difficulties? Yeah, I mean, we, we see that in the story of Goliath. There's many times in the stories of Jesus that we read that he did a lot of subtracting, right? Subtracting disease, subtracting even death from people's lives. There's a lot of subtraction that goes on with God. But here's what I want you to remember, that before we ever get to the subtraction that God may do in a situation, What we need to do and what we're responsible to do is the addition. We are adding, we are reminding, we are encouraging, we are establishing the reality that God is present. The Prince of Peace is here. And then we leave it in God's hands to do the subtraction. Listen, when we receive ministry, what we're receiving is the peace of God, the confident 
assurance of his presence. And when we give ministry, what are we doing? We are, we're, we're giving God's peace. The proclamation of his presence. That no matter what kind of storm is raging, what kind of relational storm, financial, physical, natural, just all the kinds of storms that we may be facing, guess what? God is here so you can be at peace. That was the first thing that Peter tells Cornelius. And I took longer on that one. The last two were going to go a little bit quicker. So keep your seatbelts buckled and let's finish up with what Peter tells Cornelius. He says, going back to uh, Acts 10, he says, this is the message of good news. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. So if the goal of ministry is peace, the message of our ministry is Jesus. I want you to go in your minds back with me a few chapters in Acts. We, we talked about this story several weeks ago, but in Acts chapter 4, Peter had just given ministry to a crippled man who was miraculously and beautifully healed. When people began to gather in amazement about this miracle that, that God had just done, this is what Peter says about Jesus. It's found in Acts 4, verses 10 and 12. Would you read this along with me about Jesus? Peter says, hey, everybody, let me clearly state to you, to all of you and all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Then he says in verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Friends, our God has a name and his name is Jesus. When I minister, I don't minister in my own name. Hey, I'm Tim Mosselder. I'm here to minister to you. When I minister, I don't even minister in the name of our church, although I love the Santa Maria Foursquare Church. It's like, it's like wait, wait a second, don't, don't those have value, your name or the name of the church? Sure, they have value, but in comparison to the name of Jesus, they have no consequence because my name does not bring salvation to anyone and the name of our church does not bring redemption to our community. It is the name of Jesus. You can have the peace of God through Jesus. It is only Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. This is so important because people, who, people end up seeking peace in many different ways. They turn to all kinds of different things to try to find peace in their lives and in their stories. But as we minister, we must remember that we bring Jesus. He is the only one 
who brings a true and lasting peace to those who are in conflict. His peace is his presence. And I'm so thankful that before Jesus physically left this earth to return to heaven, he promised us that his presence would remain through his Holy Spirit who's been given to you and to me to bring encouragement and sustaining grace to all who would seek him. We've been promised God's presence through the Holy Spirit no matter what we are facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what Goliath is on your battlefield, God's presence is with you. Jesus is here, the Prince of Peace. The final thing that that Peter says in this statement to Cornelius is he says, this is the message of the good news, that there is peace of God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And this final statement, that Jesus is the Lord of all, I think this is where, where Peter just like, boom, drops the mic and walks away. I mean, it's like, this is Jesus, and he is the Lord of all. See, this is the power of our ministry. If the goal of ministry is peace and the message of our ministry is Jesus himself, then the power of our ministry is that this Jesus who we proclaim is the Lord over all. There is nothing above him. There is nothing that he cannot handle. So I love what what Jesus says because he reminds us of this in John 16, 33. Gives us this confidence. Listen to these words. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you all so that you may have peace in me. He's been describing that there's gonna be some troubles that they are going to be facing. And he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Because here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. There's gonna be Goliaths that you're gonna have to face. There's gonna be challenges on your path. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is Lord. No matter what form of ministry that you may give, right? You may be a a teacher. You may be a a worshiper or an artist. Maybe your ministry is, is that personal touch on people's lives and praying for healing or giving good words of encouragement and instruction from God's word. Maybe you work for justice. Maybe you're an evangelist. I, I, all the different forms of ministry that your gift may uh, take form in, here is the reality that all of this is possible. Our ministry is empowered by this reality that Jesus is Lord over all. Jesus has overcome the world. And that is the power of our ministry. Whether it's the ministry of presence, of just coming alongside people and giving them that gift of that reminder that Jesus is here and he's in charge. 
He's Lord over all. Or whether it's a ministry of proclamation, of, of advancing the truth of, of the gospel, or whether it is activism, like we're, we're going to the streets and we're, we're working on behalf of those who are in need or been treated unjustly. No matter the situation, the power of our ministry, friends, is that Jesus is Lord. See, Peter understood these things. He understood that the church must be a ministering community. Ones that not only receive ministry, but who are givers of ministry. And as we minister, what are we giving? We are giving the peace of God in the name of Jesus, who is the Lord of all. Just think about that for a moment. As we minister, we are giving the peace of God in the name of Jesus, who is Lord of all. Now listen, before we conclude, I, I've got to tell you the end of Acts chapter 6, because we've been looking for three weeks at this conversation that Cornelius has had with Peter. So, but I want to tell you how it finishes, because, and you can read this at the end of, of Acts chapter 10 for yourself. But what Cornelius and Peter experienced was that when ministry began flowing, both the giving and receiving of ministry, God shows up in a big way. Because it says that as Peter was still even talking, right in the middle of Peter giving ministry, it says that the Holy Spirit fell on everyone present. It's like this, the power of God just, boom, shows up. Everybody begins speaking in tongues just like they had experienced back all the way, if you go back to Acts chapter 2, that, that, that same experience is, is had right now in this Roman household of Cornelius. And the very next thing that happens is that they're like, hey, can we be baptized in water? Salvation came to the house of Cornelius when ministry began to flow. Friends, I believe that the very same thing should be our expectation, that when ministry begins to flow in our church and, and truly even in and through your life, both the receiving of ministry and the giving of ministry, our expectation is that when that's happening, we should expect, we should anticipate God showing up in beautiful and profound, life-changing ways. Are you ready for that? Man, I know I am, and I know that our world needs this. They need the ministry of Jesus that you are created to do, that he has now empowered you to do. In his name, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who is the Lord of all. Hey, let's pray. Jesus, first of all, I, I just want to come to you and recognize you are present. Not just present here with me on the campus of the Santa Maria Foursquare Church. Lord, you are present. Father, wherever my voice reaches, where people are watching through video, Lord, in their homes here in Santa Maria and literally across the nation, maybe even around the world, that God, you are present. And because you are present, Lord, there is peace. So may your peace be established 
Lord, everywhere my voice is reaching right in this very moment, Lord, thank you that your presence brings peace. We acknowledge that and we receive it. Lord, sometimes you do subtract the problems that we're facing. Lord, you can bring healing. You can bring your mercy. You can bring breakthrough where there's been brokenness and just subtract those troubles from our lives. And God, I pray that that happens. But Lord, even more, I pray that even in the midst of the battle, Lord, people are gonna understand as David did, Lord, that you are there and that you are in charge, that in your name, Lord, there is power because you are Lord over all. And Jesus, if there are any today who have not experienced your peace, God, I pray, Lord, that they would right now recognize that you are there with them. Reach out your hand and grab a hold of Jesus. He is there for you, friend. And and as it says in Acts chapter 10, that everyone who believes in his name, your sins will be forgiven. Those aren't my words. Those are God's words to you. Put your trust in him. And for all of us, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would be empowered by the Lord who is over all. Lord, to be your ministry givers. Lord, to work for peace. And Lord, and receive your blessing, Lord, for being your ministers of light and of love. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name.